this is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he practices every day that allows him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader reminds us always be aware of what inspires you as these inspirations can lead to significant results. It is truly about following your dreams. Dr. Jeff Van Valer is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show nine starts now. Welcome to the program, Jeff. Well, it's good to be here, Melanie. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Or should I say Dr. Van Valer, that is. You've accomplished quite a bit in your life. Well, I'll tell you what, you can call me Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We've known each other since uh, fifth grade, I think. <laughs> Good old Yeah, Greenwood. something like that. Yeah, so I've kind of followed you through your life, and um, you've you've really been intentional about the things that you've accomplished. And so thank you for being on Everyday Leaders because this show is about inspiring people to go after their dreams, to be intentional about their life, and to understand that they can accomplish things that they set out for. So I am really excited to share your journey with our listeners. Um, So tell me a little bit about, you know, I always like to start off, so we know each other from Greenwood and and Greenwood, Indiana, but your journey, you know, who inspired you to kind of go after things when you were young? Oh, man. Well, first of all, it's my privilege to be be included here. This is fantastic. Uh, So now, who inspired me? Wow. A lot of people. I mean, everybody says their mom and dad. Yeah. You know, and I will tell you, one of the things that inspired me to be interested in medicine, and I, you never know why you're so inspired, but uh, one of the things that did was <laughs> when I was a kid, we would watch, as a family, we'd watch Emergency. You remember that? Oh, Squad my 51. gosh. Yes. Yeah. And my, at that time, my mom was in, was in residency. Uh-huh. Um, medical resident. She, she became an emergency physician. And when, when the, I don't know, I guess it was uh, Gage and DeSoto would bring somebody into the hospital and they'd tell what was going on. And Kelly Brackett, the big surgeon in the emergency room, it's always ringers lactate or exactly. lidocaine drip or something. <laughs> Remember that? Oh yeah. It's well, the modern day Grey's Anatomy, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if there was so much, uh, so much soap opera content on the emergency, <laughs> but my mom, would say ringers lactate before <laughs> Kelly Brackett would on the TV. And I would turn my head like, what? That is incredible. So even as a little kid, I always wanted to know what doctors know. That's one inspiration. Uh-huh. You know? Wow. So, so that kind of led you to kind of that creativity, like what would that look like, you know, and being kind of around mentors that helped yeah. you understand the language and the dialogue and get you a little bit comfortable, right? With the, even the concept of, yeah. Hmm, I wonder if my path goes this way, right? You have that support system, um, behind you. So yeah. pretty, pretty cool. What, um, yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask you, you know, when you were in, in high school, right, let's go all the way back to this journey and, and the things that you did in, in your development ages, right? Teenage years and, and college. So what were those things that are, you look back and you say, those are consistent things that I did in my life 
to kind of led me to build on um, my to build on the things that I, that influenced me that I was considering or that um, helped me realize what my dreams were going to be. Well, yeah, well, going back to to high school or even even earlier, I mean, when I would see people doing things that I thought would be impossible for me, that would get my wheels turning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think being in a leadership position, being able to stand up in front of people and teach or give some kind of lecture of some kind, I've kind of gravitated toward that stuff because seeing teachers in, in our high school, like John Irons, now for the audience, John Irons was a was a, a pretty intimidating but fantastic teacher, mm-hmm. my favorite teacher from high school. Mm-hmm. He could stand up and give a lecture, and uh, I thought, God, how, how does he do that? And uh, band directors, things like that. Yep. And then I, one way or another, stumbled into becoming drum major of the band, and that, that really thrust me into a leadership role and a need to learn to stand up in front of people. But right. I think... The, yeah, the common theme is is getting up in front of people and setting an example. So when, and that's what kind of has driven me. Well, and when when you go back to and I kind of think about people in their journey, you know, if they are still feeling like they want to do something and they haven't moved through that phase yet, um, it's a lot of the fears, right? Yeah. You had great influences, yeah. and you think about okay, so now you want to be a drum major. You kind of see that in your in your your, your progress you think about the fear that you had the first time that you had to do something or stand in front of a group of people, um, with the process, you know, behind getting over that fear. Did you practice in front of the mirror? Did you, did you <laughs> practice with friends? What was that like? Uh, well, for a drum major, trying out for drum major in particular, I, I don't think it ever, it would have crossed my mind if people I respected hadn't said, Hey, you got to think about doing this. Mm-hmm. And yes, I stood in front of a mirror and I stood in front of a mirror with friends. <laughs> and just like you said, and practice that stuff. And you try to practice the, the fear right out of yourself. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you end up getting thrown into the situation. And well, you really have no choice at that point. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to stand up in front of a crowd and sing, <laughs> which I've actually tried a couple of times. But, you know, not saying that went very well. <laughs> Well, you know, it's great because this is a great leadership lesson. You think about going back and trying things that are new. And so when you relate that to today and, and you're a physician, you're a neurologist for our listeners. Um, and so every day you meet patients and you have to kind of assess and solve problems and talk to them. And they may be very scared of things that they're going through. Um, and because of these things that you've practiced consistently, you know, through your lifetime about the fears and over, overcoming kind of those fears and um, wanting to speak and be in front of people, that really helps, you know, that confidence level when a patient comes to see you now because you've practiced that, right? You, you kind of challenged yeah. yourself all through those lives. So it's really prepared you for what you're doing today. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so I think that's kind of the message, right, is if you start early on overcoming those fears and being able to remain consistent, there's a whole, there's a whole world out there um, that you can start to explore and, yeah. um, and develop. And so 
talk to me a little bit about, and I want to get into this sooner than later, but a book that you wrote a few years ago, um, The Devil's Tricycle. And I love this because it relates to every single person today and (laughs) and our ability to kind of think about we need more sleep and we need more caffeine. And we just balance all of that because that's the world that we live in. We've got to get more done and we got to get it done faster and, you know, figure out how to sleep after we're yeah. alive. <laughs> People say sleep when yeah, you're dead. Like you, can, you can sleep when you're dead. You sleep when you're dead. Yeah. But, um, but this, you really kind of honed in. So as a neurologist, you study, um, you know, people and the brain and how things work. So talk to me a little bit about how you got inspired through what you're, you've practiced um, to write The Devil's Tricycle and bring all of these characteristics into play. Okay. Well, that is such a good question. And uh, I will tell you, it may be a little bit disappointing what inspired me to do this. And I was trying to be efficient in practice and not have to say the same thing every time a headache patient came in. <laughs> um, it was like, dude, I'm going to I'm gonna do a pamphlet. I'm just going to write all this on a pamphlet and hand it to them and make it easy. I realized that there's a lot I want to say. I'm like, that pamphlet's going to be 50 pages long, and okay. they're just not going to read it kind of thing. Yep. But at that time, a good friend of mine named Pete Walkie, who is uh, he's a leader in his own right. He's kind of a financial planner. He found a niche market on, uh, or not a niche market, but just a, a, a little, little thing in his world that no one has written a book on before, uh, you know, about little, little bits of financial planning and insight and things. He wrote it and published it on Amazon. That was around the time that I was kind of frustrated with this whole pamphlet idea. Mm-hmm. And one day on the way to work, um, right or wrong, I pulled out my iPhone and hit the hit the little microphone and talked into it. And I was surprised that by the time I got to work, I had eight pages. Wow! Of me just speaking fluently what I've done by rote. And uh, by the end of the week, I had the first draft for the Devil's Tricycle. Wow! And by that time, I realized really what the what the book is about. It's about emotional learning and and how, especially. Caffeine is probably the most brilliant criminal mastermind ever. It can, <laughs> it can cast a shadow and hide in its own shadow. People give caffeine credit for things it, it never did. Uh-huh. And they never give it blame for anything. Uh-huh. Isn't that the truth? And ultimately, people, there's a part of everybody's brain that wants to protect their caffeine from logic. And uh, so... I just think it's, that there's a lot of caffeine abuse and sleep hygiene kind of a theme into that book. And so that's what the book really became about. So when, when you talk about, like, you see a patient that comes in, and so this inspiration is people are coming in with headaches. And yeah. there's got to be answers because, you know, as a doctor, you want to solve those problems. So th- yeah. thinking into, like, what do I do? What are the things that I do? What are the strengths that I have every single day? to think into more and how do I express myself? And, and so when you talk about this pamphlet idea, right, that's how it started. Yeah. And then it became so much more because you just concentrated on it and you started, you moved forward, right? That fear of maybe people need to know more, but how would I express myself? Uh, so yeah. that's what the process of that I think is just pretty incredible for other people to say, hey, there's something I have within me that I want to express, 
right? And what's the best way to do it? And today we have so much technology at our fingertips yeah. uh, that we can, you know, figure out like, is it Evernote? Is it, you know, typing something on our iPad? Is it if we're commuting, you know, to, to take notes, like you said, put your record button on your phone and, and start that process. So what you learned through this Devil's Tricycle book, um, and it, yeah. it, the migraine headache, the caffeine abuse, the insomnia, I have a lot of people in my life that are on sleep apnea machines, right? The yeah. CPAP machines. And for those people that don't know about what that is, can you explain kind of how the brain works and, and what the CPAP machine does? Oh, well, sure. Well, most people that are on CPAP, that stands for continuous positive airway pressure. Yep. And that's just a pressurized air that goes through a mask that's sealed over your airway and just provides enough air pressure to splint the airway open so you can breathe through it. Mm -hmm. And that happens in obstructive apnea, which is the airway being pinched off or closed off, either by a, a, a soft palate getting in the way or just too much body weight pressing up into the neck. Mm -hmm. And very rarely people will have a, have a thing where their actual respiratory drive waxes and wanes. Uh, but usually it's obstructive mm -hmm. apnea, and that's what the CPAP is for, is to keep the airway open so they can breathe while they're asleep. Mm -hmm. And so how this all affects to kind of caffeine and migraines and the amount of sleep that you get, that's what you really go into in teaching us in this yeah. this devil's tricycle. You know, it's really the thought of if you're in, out of balance in one of those areas, right? And so... Yeah. Tell us a little bit about when you started to research this more and write the content in the book, you know, what did you, what was the most, um, or I guess the kind of the aha, like, ah, if I write this, it will really influence people and help them. Yes. Now this is a, this is excellent question. And this is a great example to illustrate how books tend to write themselves when you get so far into them. It's like a puzzle starting to solve itself once you've found all the edges. Um, the uh, yeah, just the, the whole process of telling people about the caffeine and, and all this stuff. It's, it's ultimately the aha moment was there are two different kinds of advice out there. There's the advice that you know and the advice that you want to follow. Mm -hmm. If you think about your, your logic and your emotions, mm -hmm. your logic might be an aluminum can and your emotions are a steamroller <laughs> and the, the can does not win mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. You know, we do what we want. And so there are two types of advice, the stuff that, you know, like, yeah, you got to have a good diet, got to get a good night's sleep and the blah, blah, all the crud we've heard all of our lives. It's just white noise. And then there's the kind of advice that, Hey, I want to follow that advice. Mm -hmm. So you don't do it because it's logical. You do it because you want to. And, and so my you, aha right? moment is, yeah. is how do I get people to want to do this? Because mm -hmm. you got to trick people into thinking it was their idea. That's right. Basically. <laughs> you could be in sales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't think a company would want me selling things for them. <laughs> but no, that's true. So, so when you say, great, I, you know, I say I come to you and I say I have headaches and I can't <laughs> sleep. And I drink a lot of coffee <laughs> and, yeah. and you go, 
okay, let's really talk about this. Let's talk through this. How does, how, you know, what's your technique for kind of to moving that over? And maybe a secret, but, (laughs) but, you know, getting them to kind of take ownership of that. What do you try first to help them realize and become aware? Well, I, I, I tell them that, you know, caffeine can, can really disrupt your sleep. And by then, I'm, I usually don't get through that sentence before somebody says, no, I sleep just fine, Kathy. <laughs> I sleep just fine. <laughs> doesn't affect me. doesn't affect me like it affects everybody else. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that that's a, a conclusion is that caffeine only prolongs the time to fall asleep by a little bit. So we can fall asleep. We can tank up on coffee. And if we're tired, we can fall asleep. And then later on, we, if we wake up, we have our time getting back to sleep. But caffeine basically undermines sleep. It fragments the useful stages. And, uh, and it, it, lets, it kind of lets us stay in this kind of junk sleep. But it doesn't wake us up necessarily. Mm-hmm. So the conclusion is, I slept just fine. Boy, am I tired. I need some coffee. Wow. So it's that you endless know. cycle. And yeah. yeah, and so that's why it's called this tricycle, right? It's, it's, yeah. these, it's these three kind of circles that are overlapping each other. And uh-huh. um, so what's the best way, like when people talk about fear, like caffeine is my addiction. You've got a Starbucks on every corner, you know, yeah. they serve coffee everywhere you go. Um, and, and so that's just kind of the every morning routine. People get up, you make a cup of coffee. I'm actually drinking mine right now, Jeff. <laughs> so, hey. but when and you, I just got done drinking mine about an hour ago. So. <laughs> but you know, how do you how do you get better at that? How do you recognize, I guess, and become aware that that is a problem? What would you recommend? Well, I still I still talk to the to the people. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a perfect example. I had a um, I can't say too much, I guess, but I had this nurse in the office. You know, and in the book, I said this nurse. This is the kind of person you want in public when there's a medical emergency. Mm-hmm. I mean, really a very strong, strong-willed go-getter type of first responder type. And uh, she came and said, look, I got these headaches. It's pretty bad. Like, do you drink any coffee or anything? Yeah, well, I drink about 10 cups of coffee a day. And uh, you know, that's an enormous amount of caffeine, of course. But I always want to know how late in the day the patient drinks their caffeine. Mm-hmm. But with this nurse who knew enough pharmacology for when I said caffeine has a half-life of about eight hours or so, and that is the amount of time it takes for the body to get rid of half of a substance, the half-life. Wow. She just she just froze and looked at the floor. And that's when all of a sudden, bam, she wanted to follow that advice. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's basically all I had to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess what? She left the office and I never saw her again. So either I really offended her or she just went and fixed the problem. Wow. And I'll bet you a dollar it's it's the latter. She went and fixed the problem. Well, you know, and that goes back to so many things that if we become aware of something in our life that is painful and and we're searching for kind of an answer, right? If we can get to the right source to help us kind of t- take it and tear it apart and analyze it then we can become aware of how to fix it. Um, But then, you know, as a physician, you know this, there's, there's, like you said, people that will take that advice or they'll actually be influenced um, and use that to change their life. So 
uh, I think it's that's so critical, and that lesson is so important to people because you know there's a lot of people that say, "Oh, I have a headache. It's I'm just I've got too much caffeine, or I'm dehydrated, right?" And so they try to make that up by drinking a lot of water, and then yeah. <laughs> coffee's a diuretic, and now you're in the bathroom all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know when we talk about so as this consistency. Right. And, and you have just remained consistent to kind of your cause and your purpose and and looking about, you know, your character growth and how you're changing um, in your life, how you're influencing your kids, um, how you're able to influence your patients and the things that you're working on next to kind of teach um, teach others. What's that journey look like for you? When I uh, took the job with American Health Network in Muncie, uh, it's it's in well it's it's near Ball State and Ball State is one of or I should say Muncie and, and Ball Hospital or IU Ball Hospital uh, is one of the satellite uh, areas of the IU School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. So I have had a chance to work with med students on a very regular basis in the office, which to me is very important because it it is a constant reminder of why I got into medicine in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, the education. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's also opened the door for me to, to lecture to med students. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've, I have become an assistant professor of neurology with the school of medicine through that. So mm-hmm. the next step really is, is uh, using my education to help further other people's education. Mm-hmm. And that, opportunity came to me, you know, through, through, uh, being able to work with med students on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So you are in the, in the environment, right. That you can influence others, which is, it's all about yeah. your journey. It's your growth into that. And so as you, you know, we look at being successful and then adding significance, right. And so, and I know as a, as a physician, you know, part of this is you've written written books because it's um, important to you to kind of get your message out and then influence others. And uh, so for your kids, right, there was a trade-off as you were as you were kind of going through schooling, as you work long hours, as you you know decided to kind of put energy into being an author now. And so, mm-hmm. what do you think? And we talked about this a little offline, but. Talk about the trade-offs that you feel you've you've made um, to kind of get where you are in your life. Oh, that is a that's a tough one. Trade-offs. Um, a lot of different ways to answer that one. Um, I've always been, been wanted to write. That's always been a passion of mine that I've I've tried to ignore for a long time, or I've had to ignore for a long time, and through med school and residency and. Uh, a much busier job that I had before this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the trade-off is there's a certain passion of mine, which is admittedly 100% self-indulgent, and that is writing fiction. Mm-hmm. But now I have the opportunity to do that on a limited basis. And the uh, trade-off is I ended up changing jobs. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I found the opportunity to be able to to explore that part of me that I've never really had time to do before. Mm-hmm. That's really important because, you know, as you discovered that, so when we talk about 
you know, this, this journey or this passion of like deciding, hey, I'm going to take a different job because I want to follow this part of my growth. How do you reflect as a writer? You know, what, what do you do? Do you every morning, do you have a, a pattern that you follow? Do you have a journal? What do you do? Yeah. I think the, if you're going to write something, there must be structure, mm-hmm. you know, not only to the writing project, but structure to your life so that you have a consistent opportunity to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do is every morning after my kids go off to school, I have about 40 minutes that I can go downstairs and either write something or review something that I've written. And on the way to work, I might think of something and record it and that kind of stuff. But the routine becomes essential. And uh, it's it's almost like becoming institutionalized. You know, you get used to doing something the same way every day. And then you crave the pattern. You look forward to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And parts of that pattern are essential to your mental health and well-being and all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's so true because you've got to have that balance again. You know, we talked about that at the very beginning. But being able to really recognize if you don't have that pattern and that time of reflection, you know, that's when you start to kind of become aware again of maybe opportunities of, Hey, I'm not fulfilling this. My life feels a little bit out of balance, but if you don't have consistency, you, you can't really have that, that vision come to you, right? It's, you're just constantly moving in chaos. So the structure that you talk about is, uh, is really critical, I think, to people that are, you know, trying to attain any kind of a, a real, say, everyday leader. Uh, that's a, a goal, right, that everybody can kind of follow and start to get into their own life to practice um, that'll help them time after time. Um, yeah. So uh, there's one other thing that I kind of have been inspired to kind of ask you about, but, you know, stretching yourself, um, there's this kind of theory that I teach and coach on, which is this law of the rubber band, and it talks about if you take a rubber band and you've, you've got it in a bag and then you put it around your wrist or you put it around your hair, you know, for women, or you use it around a binder or something. When you take that rubber band off of that object, it can never go back to its original state, right? It's been stretched. Yeah. And with, when I think about that concept for you, I mean, how, when you look back on your life, how is really what you've done stretching you, how has that changed you from where you were, um, even starting med school to today? What are your thoughts kind of moving forward? How has that changed you? Oh, uh, man, that is a, that's a good one. Nebulous. <laughs> um, how has it changed me? I'm, I'm trying to feel like a rubber band that's been stretched. Um, I think it's changed me because it's, Ultimately, the more you stretch yourself, the more you get yourself into situations where you really don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you get into situations where you have to learn on the fly. It helps you o- overcome nervousness, mm-hmm. apprehension, and um, ultimately makes you more capable mm-hmm. of, of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, getting in front of a crowd. One of my favorite things is to teach medical stuff like stroke and that kind of kind of thing. So, I mean, stroke medicine in front of, say, uh, a, a group of nurses, you know, for their education. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the time that I got in front of a crowd like that and realized I was more excited than nervous is when I realized I had grown quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And that might be an example of the the stretched rubber band. Yep. That's well, that is so true. And, and I think for, you know, the purpose of, of really this podcast is to help people realize that you just got to take those steps, right. To be able to kind of grow in that area and, and stay true to what your beliefs are. And then things can happen for you as, as opportunities open up, you know, because you've been consistent and you've, if you believed in your path, uh, things will happen that you never maybe thought about and exploring. So just makes you a better, well-rounded person to be able to give back to others. Yeah. I mean, it is a, and it's a great opportunity to be in a position to be able to do that because I know there are a lot of people who aren't in a position to even explore some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's something to, to be appreciative. Yep. It's, of, a, it's a process. Sure. Definitely. Well, gosh, Dr. Van Baylor, <laughs> it's been <laughs> such a pleasure to have you on Everyday Leaders Podcast. You've uh, really enlightened us, uh, me especially, inspired me. I can't wait to see what's next from you and your journey. Um, yep. And so thank you very much for spending time with us today. And anything in closing that you'd like to tell our listeners? Oh, man, well, first of all, again, the opportunity, the privilege is all mine here. Uh, I, I appreciate you finding me worthy of being part of your podcast. Absolutely. And I guess remember when you drink that cup of coffee in the morning and you have that <laughs> headache afterwards, think of Jeff Van Baylor <laughs> oh. <laughs> and reassess yeah. your life, right? Just make sure you, you get up at the same time every day and you go to bed eight hours before that time. And no caffeine within eight hours of your bedtime. <laughs> that is that is just some some logic, and don't let your emotional steamroller run over that. Excellent. You've heard it from the good doctor, so pay attention to your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great rest of the 2018, and I appreciate you being on the show. Okay, we'll do, Melanie. Thank you very much. Take care. Okay. Thank you for joining me this week on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. You know, many people that I work with say they want to improve their lives, but like that old saying is, if you don't know where you're going, then you're probably going to end up someplace else. Well, I'd hate to see you in someplace else. Please join me. I have personal growth classes on Monday and Wednesday nights. It's a class called Life by Design where you can actually design your life to be successful and bring out that great leader that you were designed to be. You're going to add value to your life, and I can help you. Please reach out at makeconnectionsforlife.com. Look for the link in the show notes. I'd love to meet you and help you. Thank you for joining me on Everyday Leaders 50 and 50.